In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, come, look, Grandpa, look. Two calves are butting their heads together. Grandma, Grandma, come see. There's a butterfly on the screen. Come, come and see. Look, look. That's what we hear when the grandkids are around, especially when they were younger. And the, the other family that's younger, they do that now. And uh, the odd thing is, when they do that, we actually get up and go see. Uh, one, because they're so insistent. And two, because they're so excited. And so their excitement carries us to... Uh, wedge our way out of the chair and get up and go see what it is they're all excited about. And some of you have had that experience. That's uh, kind of like the gospel lesson for today. It's John's version of Jesus calling his disciples. And uh, he goes and finds Philip and he says, come follow me. And Philip follows him. And Philip, Philip finds what he's been looking for. Philip is, is captured. His heart is captured by the Lord. There's something about Jesus of Nazareth that says, this is what I've always been looking for. And then he's all excited about it. And there's some things that you just you don't want to tell somebody about. You want them to experience it with you. So he goes to his friend Nathaniel and he says, he says we've, we've found the one that Moses was talking about and all the prophets. It's, it's Jesus, Joseph's son from Nazareth. He's all excited. And Nathaniel, being kind of a natural-born cynic, says, ha! Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, it's kind of like saying, you know, can anything good come from Alexandria? Well, it's not even like that. It's more, it's, it's more like, can anything good come out of uh, Arrestus? You know, it's, it's not even that magnificent. Hobbes, or, you know, one of the... It was, Nazareth was a hick town. It was a backwater town back then, and it still is today. They've tried various things to make it a tourist attraction, but nothing has worked there. So Nathaniel has good cause... Oh, any good come out of Nazareth? And Philip, to his credit, doesn't do a lot of arguing. He doesn't try to convince Nathaniel that, you know, this is the real deal. He doesn't, you know, go on and on and talk too long about it. All he does is simply says, come and see. And his excitement carries Nathaniel along, and he goes and sees. And Nathaniel finds out. He go, Jesus tells him something that he couldn't possibly have known, and Nathaniel goes, wow, you are, the, you are the Messiah, you are the Son of God. And Jesus said, you haven't seen anything yet. Uh, but he is convinced. So Philip and Nathaniel, Andrew and Peter, John the baptizer, all of them see something in Jesus that they know that they have to have. There is something about Jesus' purposefulness and his love and his insight into people and his grace and his understanding there's something about that that captures their hearts captures it like a new grandchild captures a grandparent's heart captures it like a beautiful woman captures a young man's heart captures it like a good-looking bull captures a cattleman's heart you know i mean it they, they just they just knew that this was the most important thing that they were going to do and they dropped everything and did it they went with him so, what do we say, then, uh, about this kind of text? What does it mean? Well, I think it asks us, what is our mission? We are called. We are called. We are disciples of God. And as you remember, the word disciple means one who sits at the feet and learns, soaks in learning. But you remember that after Jesus uh, ascended, and after the Holy Spirit had come to the disciples, they're not called disciples anymore. They are called apostles. 
And what does the word apostle mean? It means the sent ones. So disciples are kind of like a big sponge. They sit at the feet, they soak up learning, they soak up the experience. And then apostles are people who have that and then ring out uh, what they have learned and let it flow on to other people. So I'm thinking that maybe as Lutherans we are doing uh, okay in discipleship. We, we sit at the feet, we learn, we come, we understand and so forth. But I'm wondering about the ringing out part. I'm wondering about our apostleship. Could that be better? Could we do better than that? And I think we can. And I think that the reason that it's difficult for Lutherans is, A, we don't have any history of evangelism, and we think it's kind of a scary and dirty word, because they didn't do any in Europe for 150 years. But also, B, we're afraid that we might not know enough. Like, we might get in some discussion with somebody, and then, you know, they'll bring up the predestination controversy, and we'll be lost and feel stupid, and be, you know, and then we'll be worse off than if we did nothing. That's not very likely to happen, by the way. Uh, but I think we fear that. I think we fear rejection. Rejection is one of the biggest fears that people have, that you know, they might think we're old-fashioned or weird or, or strange if we were to share anything. So I, I want to take all of that away from you and just say that evangelism is not really much about preaching or talking to people or engaging them in some pointed conversation. Evangelism is basically about listening. It's about listening for people who have needs of some kind. And, you know, we can do that. That's pretty easy. Whether it's your family or whether it's friends or whether it's people you meet in a grocery store or at a basketball game, doesn't make any difference. If you listen carefully, you will hear that people have needs. Now, it might be that they're grieving over the loss of a loved one. It might be they come up to you and say, oh, we were going to get the kids new clothes, but... You know, my husband lost his job, so, and, and then, you know, we th when we hear that, we can go, hey, we have something for that. We got a clothing warehouse. Well, you know, times are tough, no job, and, well, you know, we got a food pantry here, too. We, we listen for this stuff. Somebody who, you know, uh, my, my, you know, the marriage isn't going that well. Hey, uh, oddly enough, we have a pastor who is a licensed marriage and family therapist. You know, my grandson is on drugs. Oh, we just happen to have a pastor who is a certified addiction counselor. You know, with, uh, whatever it is, we, we listen to people and we say, you know, we got something for that. We got, you know, we, we got something that might meet those needs. And so, uh, like uh, Eddie. Now, Eddie's a salesman. And he knows that... You don't just try to get people to buy something that you want them to buy. You try to find out what their needs are, right? Then you meet their needs, then they're happy, then they buy from you again because you, you took good care of them. All right, well, that's the same thing here is that you, when we meet people's needs, they are excited about that. And when people see our excitement that our needs are met, then they feel that way too. So we don't have... Um, maybe in this congregation, we don't have a mass choir and uh, we don't have a crystal cathedral and uh, you know, we don't have uh, a, a huge gymnasium to attract young people or whatever. But what we do have is people whose hearts have been captured by the Lord. People who feel blessed to be children of God. And that's enough. That's enough to be excited about. 
And so when we meet people and we listen for their needs and we listen carefully and we say, hey, you know, um, we got something for that. Really? And then our final response is, come and see. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.